Hey, and welcome to the Rugby Report Card for another week, a very, very exciting week. Um, Apologies for some of the audio quality this week because it's just me and Richard. Hey, how are you this week? How how are you feeling, mate? The day afterwards, are you still on cloud nine or have you come back down to earth? I'm still hungover, mate. So basically, you won't be able to remember the game. Well, I had to. I had to watch it again today because I was just, I, you know, I got out a few beers and I just thought this is going to get real grim. And then it just fucking amazing. And then I just kept drinking to keep the party going. You know, I love the fact how it went from drinking as a sense of of uh, sadness to drinking to pure um, jubilation at the end. Um, that's, it was such an incredible game, and uh, I know we'll go into it more uh, more detail. But I'm slightly concerned that I do now live in a world where Wales. A number one rugby team in the world. I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. Well, that speaks to um, New Zealand season, but I, I guess we'll get to that in a minute. Let's just let's enjoy the Wallabies because I look. I know you're a pawn. You can't. Um, but, oh, I like it. Hang on. You just straight out of the bat. That's outrageous. Um, but you know, you live in Australia now. Your daughter's Australian. We've been doing this podcast for what three years? Four years? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. There's a there's a couple of occasions where we've got to come on here and we've got to be genuinely excited. Um, you know, I think, did we start just after the Tars won the competition? I remember being really excited. Wallabies have had a, a couple of wins. Brumbies did some good stuff this year, but man, our- let's, be, let's be honest, there's only probably been... Um, I would say you can count the number of t- times on two hands that you come across, come on here being jubilant and excited, yes? Yeah, just genuinely, genuinely excited, like that, that little kid feeling of it's Christmas, man. The Wallabies just played amazing. You just, just this sport that you love, you finally got the payback. All of that pain, all of that horror, you just got to, it's just awesome, mate. Must imagine being an All Black fan. Must play this every weekend. Not this one, though. How do you like those apples? No, or last weekend actually. Yeah, so mate, I just—it's it, awesome. It's such a good feeling, and it's so nice to come on and say positive shit because I know often you know that sometimes it's funnier when we're running a train on blokes, um, and it is funny, mind you. Um, yeah, it's definitely funny. That's why people listen. <laughs> at the end of the day. We didn't set out to do this thing to to fucking record for posterity the death of Australian rugby. We did this that was thing. Just a bonus, <laughs> righto? We did this thing because we genuinely, genuinely love footy. Um, yeah, and and you know what? It's actually I think it would be great to, to run out to actually talk positively as you say but the biggest thing that comes out of this though is that they now set the standard and I'm not necessarily saying beating the All Blacks all week but it was the even before the red card and all that kind of stuff they set the standard that the, the intensity that they need to play at from now on and there's no reason why they shouldn't play at that intensity from now on and I think that's the biggest biggest thing moving forward well let's just hope that they do um, but with that in mind I also don't think we should be um, too discouraging if it doesn't all pan out perfectly next week um, all you want to see is you're right they continue this platform they continue to build on what it is that they established this week 
Ah. I'm just going to say this now before you, before I become the negative pom, because there's lots of there are lots of positive things. But the last game in Australia before every world, the, the last four World Cups, I think it was that Australia have beaten New Zealand going um, on their last last game on Australian shores. So there has been a precedent set. So and they obviously haven't backed it up. And you know what? Following it, all four of those, I loved them too. <laughs> Doesn't bother me in the slightest, mate. <laughs> No, I'm just saying that they said that let's hopefully this time they can build. I'll them. tell you what, mate. Didn't do so quite last time. Well, most people wouldn't agree with me, but fuck the World Cup right off before you win the Bledisloe Cup. I don't even care, mate. That's, mate, that's that's ridiculous. I've totally lost respect for you right now. That is that's 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 ridiculous. That's stupid. I don't think you understand what the Bledisloe Cup means. All right, okay. So let's go. Those people, Australian fans out there right now, um, please. Tweet your dis, your disdain at that statement, please. His name's Blake. Please tweet him to say that you prefer to win the World Cup. Matt, I want to win both, but bring on the Bledisloe next weekend. That so means you're trying a lot. to tell me, trying to tell me, you'd rather see Michael Hooper lift Lord Bledisloe's trophy than uh, the Webb Ellis Trophy? Look, when you put it like that. All right, let me just enjoy this. I'm pumped for the no, Bledisloe. No, no, no. We'll we be lifting both. Which are you wanting? To, which are you wanting to see him lift and the champagne and the ticker tape parade going? Which one, mate? It's probably the Bledisloe. Oh, oh my gosh, that's crazy! John Eels, Kefu, all of those just iconic moments of Bledisloe in my mind. That's crazy, man. That is crazy. That yeah. you'd rather win a trophy you can win every year. Needless well, to say, can't. you haven't won it for a while. <laughs> no. All right, than... maybe it's Bill. Maybe it's the World Cup. <laughs> I want to win them both. All right, I'm excited. Um, all right, elephant in the room then. Let's just get it over with. The red card. Yep. Um, it's a red card. I know we're probably going to disagree on this. Um, as much as it's a soft red card, according to the rules, as soon as he tucks his his, uh, his shoulder in and he makes contact initially with the neck and then riding up to the head, um, as much as the referee didn't have a very good game, he, he didn't have any decision. He didn't have anywhere to go on that decision. So uh, I want to pr- again, it's a soft decision in because we we love contact and everything, but it's it's the right decision. And ultimately, player welfare is the biggest thing. And it may have been accidental, but if you do that. You you leave yourself open to, to getting sent off. So I, I understand why he sent, why he got sent off. I don't disagree with you. Um, it is a red card per the rules. Like you can follow that flow chart. It's pretty clear. Um, obviously, there hasn't been a lot of consistency with that. If you go back, Vunapolo did the the shoulder in the line series. Um, I think he got a yellow. Um, it was almost identical when you play them next to each other. But the game's evolving. We're getting better. Um, clearer lines over these types of things. You're right, it, it was soft. You're right, it is a red. My my problem is, and I stand by it, is the red's too dramatic a penalty. So I don't think the decision's wrong. Um, I don't think the decision to protect blokes' heads is wrong. I do think a red card is has too big a bearing on the rest of the fixture. This has happened in the first 10 minutes, it's changed the outcome. Now, the way we were playing and the way we played, I'd like to believe we get it done anyway, um, and I'll stand by that. I think we're all over them. Um, but I just think it, it a red card has too big of a bearing. Um, I, I wish there was, I don't know, 
I don't know. I wish the I rules were the different. Problem is we've 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 been through this several times, and people who actually listen to us will know that we disagree on this. I think there has to be the guy has to be sent off. There has to be an ultimate punishment for someone infringing of the highest order. Um, and if it's to do with protection of players, I understand it's a huge loss because you go down to fourteen players, and the toll it takes on having to make up for that extra player, it's too big. And I understand your point of view, but there has to be an ultimate ramification. There has to be to as a deterrent to stop people trying to do I just do don't know I don't know and what's I know wrong what with you're saying in regards to you're saying you're, he goes off and someone comes back on again I remember all the different solutions that were put forward um, but I'm still very much of the opinion that there needs to be that ultimate thing you've done something wrong it's met these this met this this highest point thank you very much but you need to disappear um and that, that's just my viewpoint yeah I just completely disagree and I think and that's under okay. 20 World Cup it looked like it it, it seemed to ruin every game. I wish what's wrong with 10 in the bin and then someone else must replace him. Um, yeah, and then giving me six-week suspension, like that, that's a big penalty. Ten minutes yeah, in but the six weeks, the six weeks suspension is then. That's it, it's about that game right then in that moment. And I know what you're saying. You're no, but say, if well, you well, take well, that argument, but if you if you're saying you've done that ten minutes and and they've been disadvantages, etc. But he needs to realise that he's made the uh, the issue in that game. And if it's a red card, it's a red card. And I know what you're going to say. Well, if it's done in that game, then don't ban him further on. Then fine, take away the ban further on because he's been he's been penalised in that game. I'm okay with that too. But, but if you take that argument, you're going down. You're trying to say that it's the outcome of the shoulder then, because in that game he's done the incident, which has caused an outcome. Therefore, it's changed the play of that game. There was no outcome. Hooper was fine. Yeah, but it, it doesn't matter. That's um, what I'm right? saying. It doesn't matter. So just penalise him, and he should be suspended because you shouldn't be doing it. But in that game, it didn't hurt the Wallabies at all. But it potentially could've, could. Could have, but didn't. Yeah, exactly. It potentially could. Yeah, so send him off, suspend him, replace him after 10 minutes. Anyway, it's we do, we disagree. I just think it, yeah. it the highest level of our game, the whole world's watching, I don't like the outcome um, changing over uh, inches, you know? Uh, sure. Let's talk about positives. Who do you want to start with in this in this, uh, in this this Wallaby team? Who do you want to start with? Well, you've got to go Jonah Lomu, don't you? <laughs> That's too big a rap. I understand why you'd, you'd given it to him as he, was, as he was running down the left wing, but seriously, I don't know. That's a lot of pressure to put on him to say who's trying to like me, but it was one of the best games he's had in a Wallaby show for, for a long and time. And that's saying something because he's had some bloody good games in a row, Samu. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think he liked the fact that he had the ball playing um, James O'Connor outside him. And I think, to be honest with you, it was really it was good to see that James O'Connor was first receiver sometimes, Curtly Bill was first receiver sometimes, Fano was. It gave it allowed the ball to go a bit wider and, and um, the ball to be a bit more readily available to, to the to the runners. And it stopped that that, that silly wraparound from the, the forwards do sometimes by getting in the way. So I really liked the the, the James O'Connor in at, in at thirteen, uh, which which was a good option. And the best thing is he doesn't he proper doesn't mind the gaze, O'Connor. No. No, he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> Which is nice, you know. Um, but I also like him being there, that ball playing 13. It means you can you can miss out Karevri if necessary. You can use him as a dummy runner. And I know you can do the same with Karen Gironi out there, but again, it just, it just makes the pitch wider and provides more options. And I think for the Wallaby attack, that's uh, that's really encouraging. And I have to say, I know we, we, we played the other way. James O'Connor looked big this week. He looked a lot bigger than what I remember him. It's been be. six years, mate. 
No, I know, but and I know he's played in Northern Hemisphere and whatever, but he just he just looked a lot. Even from last week, he looked a lot bigger. It's been six years. All I'd like to say is suck shit, everyone on Twitter. You know, I love the people who respond to us on Twitter. It's actually the reason that gets us going with this. Um, the fact that there are people listening, there are people responding to us, it's awesome. But honestly, guys, eat a dick. I told them <laughs> I was right up for O'Connor being 13. It was a genius selection, and, man, they piled on. Every one of them told me I was an idiot. Yeah, but you are sometimes. Yeah, most of the time, Richard. But on this occasion, I'm going to enjoy it. So how do you like those ones, bitches? It's just revel in your glorious moment, yes. <laughs> oh, can't wait to eat some humble pie soon. Um, <clears throat> oh, look, I think, um, I mean, to, to, to run off what Cave says, it's been the pl- blueprint in rugby for the last 10 or 15 years. Um, I think O'Driscoll changed the game, um, and we've just seen it, Conrad Smith, Jonathan Davies, um, Joseph, when he's played for England. 13 needs to be a bloke who can link to the wider channels, needs to be a bloke with quick feet. Used to be you pick a 12 who can be a second playmaker. Um, That's two blokes who can't crush ball next to each other. You're actually better off going a big 12 and a 13 who can link to your outside blokes. And I think that answers O'Connor's problem. He's never had a position. I think I think this is Foundy's position. The question mark was always going to be his defence, but I think his speed saves him out there. I don't think at 13 that many blokes run straight at you. I think you just need to make a lot of good decisions. The bloke's got a great footy brain and really fast feet. I think he'll do all right. Um, defensively, we weren't really challenged um, in that regard, so a bit remains to be seen. But I think it was an inspired decision to run O'Connor there. Um, I think the only the only negative from that is we probably won't get to see Batea there, and I would have loved. Um, we've just got too close to the World Cup. Unfortunately, he's been injured. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. Patea, hopefully, touch wood. I know he's been injured. He's got a super super bright future ahead of him. Um, and I just think moving forward, I think the World Cup was too soon for Patea after injury. She said he hasn't played a lot of rugby since what was it, round two, round three of the Super Rugby season. So I'm okay with not rushing him back and, and allowing James O'Connor to play. And in look, in the future, 13 might not be James O'Connor's position or Patea's position. They might might move somewhere else. But I think for the World Cup short term, that league give Patea a break. Let him stick get fit and what have you. Mm, oh, is that is this the end of Kurundrani then? Because well, he obviously he signed on for a show in rugby. He's gonna he's a gun, mate. He's gonna be a gun at the, the Brumbies again next year. But is his World Cup hopes? I mean, he's probably still in that squad, but you can't pick a bloke like that on the bench. He doesn't no, offer enough. He only offers one position. Yeah, I think. I think he'll. I agree. He'll go in there as a squad member, but I don't think he'll play that much. But the good problem to have, though, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But but he doesn't offer enough variety. It doesn't cover enough positions. And probably good um, cover for Karevi at twelve. Then, if you want to start yeah. playing in that model. Yep. Um, you can't. Suddenly, he um, to defend at twelve is very different to defending at thirteen. So I think it'd be a lot of pressure for him to suddenly come in and play at twelve. So um, yeah, I think it'd be difficult to, for him to play a lot of minutes um, in the World Cup or moving forward. Now, if the James O'Connor um, model continues to be successful, and not Eden Park will be a, um, another opportunity to see whether it works because it's a completely different game. This is just going to continue to be a love in because. 
pretty much every bloke on that field play really bloody well. Um, so let's go through the back line really, really can I, quickly. Can I intersperse? Can I intersperse for a second? Absolutely, there's going to be a lot of loving, but just because we are going to have a loving, um, can I just be a bit negative about one person in particular? Number six? Yeah. Doesn't bother me um, because I think it's his best game. Um, I think he actually played... He dropped a couple of a bit of pill. Um, I don't. I think you're right. I, I, I agree, mate. The fact that I could call it straight away. I just reckon you got David Pocock coming back. We'll be right. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. You get you play Pocock at eight. You play Hooper at seven and Nasserani at six potentially, or you just play Hooper at six and Pocock at seven and Nasserani at eight. I, I get it completely, but I just wanted to have a bit of balance because there were a lot of really good performances and the only two that I would say that were questionable were low two, obviously. Um, and it wasn't Isaac Rodder's great, greatest game either, but other than that, um, there was a lot of a lot of positives and I know we're going to go through them, but I just wanted to add a little bit of, uh, of, uh, of judgment in there as well. It's a funny game though, isn't it, rugby? Like... It's just proper, proper pumped New Zealand. And I know there'll be some Kiwi fans who'll be off that. We proper pumped him. It's undeniable. It's the highest score ever against him. But, man, a couple moments early in that game, like even that first try to Hodge, wasn't great play by us. It was no. good individual play by O'Connor and Hodge. Um, but and he then, could have intercepted it. He could have intercepted it before and ran away. And, and Yeah, and like a couple of little changes. Good Hugh going off injured. Obviously, really disrupted. Really disrupted their back line. The red, you know what I mean? Like rugby, fuck, it's just inches, isn't it? At that elite level, it is a couple of things change. But anyway, let's go through how good it is. I think the the revelation of Kirtley at fifteen is um, he's always had the talent. He's always been a fifteen. He's just been stuck behind his Raphael. Yeah, we've said this for years, and you've heard us, both of us say that his position is drifting. I just like the fact he can drift in and out of the game. And defensively, it's he, you can hide him a lot easier uh, within that 15, and he, he even defended out on the wing at some point away from the 15 area. Um, he's just that. He comes in as a, as a, a second receiver. Uh, he just looks – He's actually, big call probably, I just think he provides that extra bit of spark as well um, from that position. No, so I think that, I think it was clear as day, mate, that so much of what we did focused on what Falau could offer, mm. um, which, fair enough. If you can get Falau one-on-one with someone, that's a good move. Mm. Um, but it looked like we were so focused on that that we forgot that there was a lot of other blokes with talent out there and we became mm. quite predictable. Mm. Um, you know, we would try and kick for the jump. Yeah, or just, you know, overs ball in that outside centre channel to mm. Falau. Um you know, or chuck it to Falau and hope he does something. Rather than we we look we look much more unpredictable here. Mm. Um, what did you what did you think? So I've already said it mentioned it already. What did you think about there being the multiple playmaking options? Because it was Bill O'Connor and Leofana all all stood at first receiver at certain points. What did you feel about that? Well, I love it because it actually makes us a lot more unpredictable. And I think what's so good about it is um Leofano's safe. He's safe as houses. So if any of those other blokes, Bill or O'Connor, played at ten, um, they just can't seem to do it for eighty minutes. They eventually start picking the wrong option. Lutifano is happy to take a tackle, um, happy to just turn it on the inside and go down. 
So I think it, it complements nicely because it means O'Connor and Beal can pick when they want to be first receiver rather than feel like they've always got to make the game. Um, and I think what was really nice about it, instead of always trying to do it as a second-man play, they were able to just play what was in front of them. It didn't look overly structured. Um, and just having guys that can all pass, I just think, worked really, really nicely there. So I think, you know, it's one week, sure, but it just it seemed to work really bloody well. Um, to- so now we got um, just sort of uh, on that. So Leofon, I agree, is the, is, the, is the safe option allows for the other two big creative forces. Is he now, and I said yes last week, is he now the, the shoe-in for the first game in the World Cup as the 10? And if so, he is. What actually happens to Bernafila? Because really, he doesn't. Should he make the bench? Because you should always keep your ten on, and you can cover ten from other places, whether it's O'Connor or uh, Beal. And if that is the case, the golden boy is suddenly gone from the ten to not even making the twenty-three now. I just think he's uh, a victim of selection and timing. You know. So is that the case? Are you saying that? Yeah, I think it's done. And- I, I trust Leofana's goal kicking a bit more. Um, I trust Leofano's defence a bit more, which matters at a World Cup. Um, and he seems to have a, a slightly better clearing kicking game. Yeah. Um, all of that matters at a World Cup. Now, I'm not saying he's necessarily a better player than Foley. Right now, he's playing better than Foley. And right now, his play style is complementing the team really, really well. He also runs quite straight. Foley can get a little bit of crossfield, so I think he adds a lot of value a there. Very crossfield at times. Um, and he's clearly a leader, Leofano, so I think that mm. offers a lot for the team. Um, mm. And mate, what just what an incredible yarn! How inc- like how inspiring is that bloke? Mm. Here he is at thirty-one, concussed against the Lions. Dad passed away when he was in the under-20s. Just the whole thing, mate. It's so incredible. There's a book coming. There's a book coming. In the Isn't there? Christian Isn't and I'll, I will give it a read. Um, mm. Quickly on the wingers, Corabetti just it goes from better to better to better. Have you rewound, remember, like three, four months ago, mid-season, mm. we were shitting on him from the greatest height on this podcast. Yeah. He is devastating. But what I think has been the biggest difference, uh, well, not there, but one of the changes is he's come to find work. He's come into the breakdown to, to do the, you know, I know it was for his try, but to actually be more effective. Where there was times he would stand out on the wing and, and miss tackles and just look ineffective. Whereas now I love the fact he goes and finds work, which is such a, and maybe that's just due to confidence or understanding the game more. I don't know. But yeah, he is. He has improved immensely over the last. Uh, but to tell you what, you would think I was crazy four months ago if someone told you in three, four months' time from now, Corabetti is going to be twice the player Rico Ioani is. Yeah, I'm not going that far, mate. Mate, Rico twice. sucks. No, no, no. Twice the player? Well, at the moment, on form, Rico sucks, mate. Mate, you, I know you love your hyperbole, but twice the player is, is it's, that's outrageous, man. You need to calm down a little bit. Uh, All right. I'm just trying to be excited here, you know. <laughs> he's playing well, I'll give you that. Um, what about the other winger? Um, Hodge had his best game ever for the Wallabies. Um, phenomenal, mate. He was a gun. Missed a couple of tackles, um, which is a bit of a worry, um, but... Just his opening 20 minutes changed the game for Australia. I really like him under the high ball, so I've got a bit of faith for him there. 
still still kind of beyond me that he's our winger. Yeah, he's he's one of those players where, and I'm not saying like Rob Hall is so much better defensively. I'm not saying that, but you know, when as an Englishman, if Rob Hall made a break, you're like, oh, it's okay, we'll catch you up. Well, Reese Hodges kind of like the same. Oh, it's okay, Reese Hodges got the ball, but he's he's getting better, but it, he's still not a winger, and that's why it goes back to what you said a few times. What is his best position? But he's doing a great job at the moment for the Wallabies, as you say, he's safe under the high ball. I know he missed four out of six tackles, but he's he's the safer option out of the you know on that um, right wing at the moment for the Wallabies so um, whoever would come in instead of him would be a bit more risky so I can see why he's playing and he finishes tries yeah he doesn't bomb them like as good as Karevi's been the bloke's bombed a few points oh, Reese Hodge where he, all he had to do was pass yeah Hodge is clinical mate he doesn't <clears throat> seem to make the wrong decision near the try line mm. um, I, I'm on him which I didn't yeah. think I would be um, if we're just going through the team then really quickly Nick White Best on Park. Um, awesome, mate. Absolutely yeah. awesome. Controlling everything from that halfback channel. My my question is the week before, Genny was best on Park. Yeah, it's not a question, mate. I know what you're going to say. It's not. Genny is still the, the is still the number nine. He's still the, the leader. He was doing the chat before the game. They're all in the huddle, and and you're expecting the captain to stand up, and he didn't. It was Genny who was doing the talking. He's a leader. His flat passes, sniping around the edge. I know Nick White again crabbed across for the forward runners to run onto. If I'm still picking, if I'm an England team, and I'm thinking, who do I at least want to? Um, play against, it's still Will Genner. He's still the one world-class player who would make that potential World 15. And Nick White played very well last night, don't get me wrong, but I'm still picking Will Genner over Nick White. I don't know if other people would agree with you, mate. What did Nick White have? I'm okay. Three or four line breaks, 40 run metres. His tactical kicking gets us out of our own half. So are you playing in your first game of the World Cup, which you don't really want to win, you in the Bledisloe Hall. Which Who are you picking? I'm I'm probably with you. I'm probably on Genia. Um, I don't know if other people are, but I'm, I'm the vibe I'm getting is people want Nick White Leofano. Are you uh, people with short memories? How, like I know I understand Michael Hooper won the medal for the best, uh, you know, for across this year. But Will Genia has been outstanding. Like people with short memories, and I'm going to get shit now for saying it, but like. Yeah, I, I know he played very well, but I'm still picking Kenny for, for me. I'm happy if you pick Nick White because it's still a good player but um, for Australia, but I'm still thinking Nick White's the better option. I mean, um, Will, Will Kenny is the better option, sorry. I think I'm with you, but it'll be very, very interesting to see. Uh, World Cup finals tomorrow. I, I want Willie G running out with Absolutely. some funky hairdo. Um, yeah. But Nick White offers us something we haven't had before. And that's great as an impact player coming on, you know, at 60 minutes. Now, see, I think the opposite. I think Will Genny is the more damaging impact player. Okay. Um, Whereas Nick White, you can use early because of his kicking game. You know what? What a great option to have. You think a few weeks ago you were thinking um, you you take out Will Ganier and you had no one to replace him. At least you have an option now to be able to, uh, which is competition, which is only going to hopefully spur on for your sake, um, getting it even to a higher level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm still picking, still picking uh, uh, Willie G. What about the forwards? There's a few in here that um, that played really well, and some that played well, and I've already talked about two that did okay. As, you know, collectively as a pack, I think we didn't get the pay we deserved at um, scrum time. I think we were 
demolishing the Kiwi scrum and 99% of them went down, but he just played the ball. Were you drunk at this time again? Yeah, I was hammered. Um, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I don't, I just, I get really frustrated the inconsistent way scrums are refed. Some refs. You don't know how to. That's the problem. As a guy who used to like scrummaging, yes, there is a lot of inconsistencies and there is, there's a lot of gameplay about it because one team holds off, so the other team goes in, so you get, you try and get win the free kick from that point of view. Then there's a one team goes down and then the other team tries it to earn a penalty. So, and England do it as well. So it's a lot of gameplay, but the one moment there was a scrum in the first half where it was super, uh, even it was a great and set a great platform. I can't remember who it was, and it was like, why can't you do that all the time? That's what frustrates that frustrates me. But I also know there's 16 guys who all weigh about on average 100 kilograms each. So I understand that, but um, I don't think you were as dominant as what you might say you were. Uh, what made it look worse was when they only had seven guys in the scrum, uh, which you could have earned. And there was a few times there when um, you could have earned a penalty, but I think you just wanted to get it out quickly. But you'd already which I just don't agree with that rule. This is my whole no, point. No, I don't. I'm, I, no, and I'm if, agreeing with if you. If the scrum goes down before the ball's at the number eight's feet, you cannot play it. You have to, A, reset the scrum because you're not sure why it went down, or B, penalise the team that's collapsed the scrum. Which so B, to work out. B is the one you should be doing. Um, because but it's so hard to work it out sometimes because both teams play games to pop up or drive down or whatever it may be. There was the whole, it was the whole rule at one point, whichever front row went up first was the one who was obviously you were going to penalise. But then there was a there was a case where front rowers ended up trying to angle angle them to force them up um, illegally. So yeah, it's difficult. So I can understand the refs have a difficult decision, but yes. Just annoys me. One week, one week, we'll reset it fifteen times, and then reward the team that's dominant. The next week, the goal seems to be let's just get it out. Yeah, I agree. It's frustrating. As I said, as a guy who used to like scrummaging, I understand. And as a bloke who's not really in for it, I'm only in for it now because the Wallabies are actually good at it. Um, <laughs> previously, I was like, just get it out. No one wants to watch scrums. Um, I, I just I can't stand the inconsistencies week in week out. It, no, it infuriates I me. Stand, I also can't understand the inconsistencies about how the. the I mentioned that um, Garces didn't have a great game. Inconsistencies around the breakdown. As a person who used to to have to clean out for a living, like there's so many guys coming out from the side, not getting behind the back foot cut before coming in. Um, you know, there's so many things that it was. It was anarchy at that breakdown from both teams. I'm not saying one or the other. It was. Um, you know what? This is where I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because, yeah, it was, but I watched the game with a mate who's um, a big leaguey. I was texting a few other leaguey mates telling me this is the best game of rugby they've seen in 15 years. Because it was free-flowing. How bloody good is it yeah. when he puts the whistle away and doesn't blow the pee out of it? Yeah. And I actually had to watch some rugby. So there's some give or take with that. I think... It, you know, you've shattered his roughing a bit. I think it opened up the game. Yeah, probably. So, I don't know, mate. It's, but, you know, I don't want a fucking um, Glenn Jackson game where it's just held to skelter <laughs> and anything it was, goes. was rather Glenn Jackson-esque at times. Yeah. Um, the pack, I thought, um, early on, we were guilty of not getting to the breakdown again. So mm-hmm. it looked like we were playing to our structures or something. And then we just seemed to snap out of it. Um, and all of a sudden, we were doing great. We were winning. We were just comfortably retaining our own ball. I think Latu offers a hell of a lot at hooker. Um, another inspired decision by Czech, and I know we give him a hard time on here. Um, 
because he's a genuine pilferer. So I think that extra bloke going hard at the ball, A, slows their ball down, um, and B, you know, gets you one or two more pilfers per game. Mm. Um, yeah. I think that uh, our breakdown work looked a lot better. And then I think individually the forwards, Rory Arnold's a fucking machine. This is what we've wanted from Rory Arnold for the last six years. And, you know, you'd see it once or twice a season. We're starting to see it consistently. He's bashing blokes. Um, and getting through a lot of work. It's bloody awesome to see. Front yeah, row, absolutely. they've been brilliant all year. Um, completely unsurprising that they're playing really well. Al Alatoa looked like he was blowing coming back from injury, so I'd be excited to see him when he's got a game or two up his sleeve. Um, slipper, class when he comes on. Tupo, awesome impact player to come on. It's it's a Can great... I just say, as a, as a, I don't doubt that at all, but as a, as a front row, mate, you need to shelve the chip kick or the grubber kick at one point, mate. What are you doing? It's a fucking bladder, so I put the kick away. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Just make the tackle then. If no, you do a dumb kick, at least put the bloke on his ass. You're 400 kilos, mate. Just eat him. Yeah, absolutely. You can't do nothing. So, yeah. I'm sure you had Mwanga in front of him or something. Just run over him, mate. Yeah. What are you doing trying to grub a past him? Um, Hooper, just the workhorse as always, seemed to even get through extra work last night. I think also he was, whether it was because he, he stood up to the challenge of the three back rowers, um, and particularly the two pilferers, I think that was the, probably the best game that I've seen him play for a while, actually jackling and trying to get his hands on the ball, um, as well as all the extra heart stuff that he does. Um, but, yeah, I think he jackled and, and, and his work rate at the breakdown was, was more than what I've seen him recently. And Nicerani, not maybe as impactful as the two games prior, but still very, very good. Doesn't seem to miss a tackle, that bloke. And the um, Adline, just Adline for days. I think even one or two of our tries came off him getting over the Adline, and we just haven't had that for for years. Mm. Um, so, so very, so, very so exciting. Exciting, as I said, they've set the the Wallabies have now set a platform, irrespective of what happens now moving forward in terms of results and Eden Park on Saturday. Um, they've set a platform at the intensity that they need to play at because they came out of the blocks sharp. And you're right, it was close to the halftime before Barrett started, but you were on the front foot. So this is the platform you've set. Can you back it up now? Can Cu- you do it two games? Just a, a couple more nice comments about the forwards because this is this is beautiful, mate. This doesn't happen often. Um, Coleman, line out, Coleman. Line well. well, I just love that the lineout's not even a talking point anymore. Well, I think it should be because it did function well, and I think we shit on it when it doesn't. And there's under throws and the lift's not done properly. I think we do need and to crazy. Full because, credit you know, to Lato. Yeah, and the, the um, he's just the, got off the drink, crashed his mm. car, and he's just hitting blokes. Mm. It's pretty and impressive. The, 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 the All Blacks have one of the best defensive lineouts. They get the car put I know Retallick's a mess, but. Um, and obviously when Barrett went off, it was a mess, but we still need to praise it where praise is due because we're shit on it enough times when we need to. And the other the other thing I'm very, very excited about is Coleman hasn't played like that for 12 months. No. He came on for 20, 25 minutes and was just eating blokes. Um, he was sensational. He looks massive. He looks good. Um, you know, Rodder, I thought, played well, made lots and lots of tackles. I'm very excited to have Coleman in that equation as well. Um, he can I offer you something off the bench. Earlier, a few weeks ago, I, I think I said that it should be Coleman and Arnold, and you were like, nah, 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 it needs to be Rodder and Coleman. 
the one good thing about this is, is the fact is you've now got options in the in the row, and for many years you didn't have options in the row. So um, that, that's the powerhouse of that front five as well as the front. Row. I like Coleman off the bench because um, yeah. Arnold's size, I just don't reckon he can go for eighty. So yeah. if you can just tell Rory Arnold to just eat blokes for fifty five minutes and then put an angry Adam Coleman on. Um, it's a good situation to have. The, yep. the only, the, honestly, like it was that pleasing of a performance. The question mark on the only question mark I've got left is Pocock. Really, Pocock and number six, because I'm not dropping Hooper on Nasrani. I'm yeah, playing Cooper. I'm just playing Pocock at six. Yeah, um, I'd, play, I'd play Hooper at six, Pocock at seven, and Nasrani at eight. As I said before, I think that's your option. That's your back row. Line out. I think you, you find a way to get around it. I, I, I just think, as much as we want to say positive, you know, Lotu didn't. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's test match level. I understand he's there for lineup, and I've been the one that says you need him in there for lineup. But um, I just think, particularly when you're playing against an all black team, that if they use that same back row, and I know they'll chuck Arnie Savera up, I just think it's you could you'll be okay with that back three of, of Hooper. Uh, Pocock and Nasserani. I think you'll be all right. So, so do I, and that's what I hope. Who's your bench loose forward then? World Cup Grand Final. Let's say this is the team you've gone with, the, the one that ran on the weekend. Maybe Genie's in for White, you're telling me. Um, but the rest of the team you're pretty happy with. Um, who is your backup, Lucy, if you've got Pocock running in at six? Scott Fardy, but I can't pick him, right? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Um, for, probably you'd have to say based on the fact he's done okay you might pick Lotu still even though he's not done great he's better than Luke Jones who obviously came off the bench the other day I don't mind Luke Jones but he hasn't performed as well in the last not few a bench player either no. I'm looking uh, at a Samu or a Valentini I reckon impact yeah, player is, is Samu in inverted commas too similar I understand he's not that similar, but is he too similar to the other options that are currently um, the, in that position in terms of Hooper, Pocock, and Nasserani? He's the, the perfect hybrid. Yeah, that's a big statement, perfect <laughs> hybrid. <laughs> uh, mate, I'm excited. I'm up and about. Now, to, to talk to New Zealand quickly, and this is going to sound like fucking here's us on a pedestal. We know, all right? We know how good you are. Um, but are they in a lot of trouble? They've come third in the rugby championship. They um, barely beat Argentina, drew to South Africa, lost to Australia. And I think the thing is that you still we're still going to make them favourites for the World Cup in, in a few weeks, a few weeks and months' time. However, I think the aura that surrounded the New Zealand teams before that you went in and you were already ten to fifteen points down when you just walked on the pitch, I think that's been lost a little bit within the last little last short time because I feel like teams think that they can get at them now. They've chopped and changed a bit too much probably within the last year or so. Yeah, is that, um, that's so, what I was going to say. Is it fair to say Steve Hansen has? Fucked them by not picking a 15. Maybe. Um, but then it could be that might have been directed to him from above saying that you need to rest them. Oh, um, there's no way. He makes those calls, mate. He's the miserable, most miserable looking bloke in the world. No one's telling him what to do. 
fair enough. Um, but yeah, I just I, I still think they're, they're they're the team to beat. But yeah, I do think they've lost that little bit of a, a bit of an edge. I still think from that team that, um, that the issue still, and we've said this for a while, whether it's um, Squire, whether it's Sarve the other day, whether it was uh, Frizzell, six is an issue for them. Um, I think their midfield partnership they keep chopping and changing with Crotty being not fit. Good Hughes obviously their thirteen, but he's injured now. He's out. Yeah. Um, so that the, the midfield partnership is going to be a bit of an issue. Um, but I, I still love the fact, and you were the one who played again. Mawanga um, needs to play better, but the option of getting Barrett into that wider channel is so frightening still that even when they don't play well, when they've got 15 men on the pitch, they can still cut you open really easily. Um, but yeah, they've lost that little bit of, um, of edge to what they had before. I, I was just going to, a few thought concerns I have if I'm a Kiwi is. Without Retallic, their type five doesn't scare me. Um, is where I'm sitting. Six and eight, Reed's not the Kieran Reed of previous years. Not saying he won't be. Six, I agree. There's a question mark there. Um, the halves, Aaron Smith's the best in the world. So is Bowden Barrett. But now you've moved him out. It hasn't clicked just yet. Not saying it won't. We know how Moana's played for the Crusaders. Um, but it hasn't clicked just yet. Go to the centres. We don't know who they are. It's chop and change every week. Go to the wings. I think it's clear as day Ben Smith's a fullback, not a winger. Which um, I've said for ages. And then Rico Ioani sucks. And obviously he doesn't. Like a year ago, he's the best player in the world. Um, he's just he's just been out of sorts. Whether he's a victim of being at the Blues, I, I don't know. Um but there's quite a few pieces not working there. I'm saying this now, and I'm sure next weekend they probably play like fucking gods um, and just are incredible and destroy us. But when I looked at the team that they picked this weekend against us, I thought, fuck, that's pretty close to it. But- yeah, I actually thought this was going to be their um, their best 15 in inverted commas. I thought that's what they were picking under their provisor that they thought it was with, with the people that are available. But I think if it was a World Cup final and everybody was fit, you'd have Crotty in at 12. Potentially they want to put SBW or maybe at 13, SBW at 12. But after that, um, I think everyone else is pretty much in there. Obviously, in Retallic comes in, but he's injured. I think everyone else is, is pretty, pretty familiar. Um, and they just haven't played right. a lot of footy together. And then the other one for me is just... Why is it Leonard Brown over Lamarpi? He must add something defensively, or he must be a leader, he or he must do something. I, no, I don't know. I can't wait. I'm, an, I, I'm, agree, I'm agreeing with you. I, we've said this before. Like seriously, I don't, I don't understand. I, pick, I don't pick I don't form, it. guys. Um, yeah. Maybe it's Leonard Brown's a more complete footballer. Than Lamarpi. Yeah, I'm, I'm still not buying it. I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement. I don't, I don't get it. Oh well, yeah, I can't wait to win it. It's surely I don't think it is doom and gloom for New Zealand. Um, like you said, they, 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 I wish I was in New Zealand's position. Yeah, they, they've got the they'll have the best squad in the World Cup next weekend. They'll have an incredible team. Um, they're probably just not where they want to be mm. um, at this stage. Or maybe it is. Maybe it's all just keeping your cards real close. And you know, you hope you eked out South Africa. Minus the red card, maybe it's a different result here. Whatever, not so bad. Um, that's the optimistic side. The pessimistic side is there's a lot of fucking things not firing there um, and haven't fired this international season. Um, there's still time, though, obviously, and they, they clearly have the, the, the greatest player pool in the depth of anyone. 
Um, well, last comments on this game then. Thank you, just, just Wallabies. Bit, just, just beforehand, by the way, their next, other than this weekend, their next big game that really means a lot is will be in the pool games of, of the uh, at the World Cup, which will obviously be um, South Africa. Jesus. So, that's their, that'll be their next big game because again, not not including the Bladers like two game. If they don't beat if they don't beat um, you guys at the weekend, or if they even if they win just, who would you then put favourites in that World Cup? Pool All games? by a lot, just comfortably. And I know South Africa they were bloody brewing against Argentina. They pumped us. They drew with New Zealand. But when you look at that New Zealand game closely, um, they didn't look like scoring. Until they scored. <laughs> yeah, the chip over the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think you've got to not just look at the result, actually look at that 80 minutes and mm-hmm. go, no, at any point, if New Zealand just fight, you know, a few things went right, they'd probably win this comfortably. Mm-hmm. Whereas as much went right as it had to for South Africa to draw. So, no, I'm still firmly on New Zealand in that situation. With that said... I mean, if you're looking at World Cup odds, you've probably got New Zealand one, South Africa two, don't you? Yes. I mean, well, I mean that's a pretty safe bet in most World Cups. Yeah. Um, but it's a big few games for New Zealand because obviously they play Australia, I think, and then play Tonga or Samoa, one of them, I think it's Tonga, um, and then they play um, play South Africa in the World Cup. So they've got a big few games ahead of them because that's their first game in the World Cup as well. So they've got a big few games ahead of them. Mm. And last comment on the Wallabies, just fucking sensational. Waited years for that shit. I got up and watched the replay again today just to enjoy it. So um, you couldn't remember it last night because you were too hammered. Yeah, there were that too. But, Jesus, <laughs> it's a nice hangover, this one. Walking around with me Wallaby scarf on today. Cheek to cheek, mate. Cheek to cheek. Just one last thing on the Wallabies. Did you? What did you think of their... Uh, because their rush defence in inverted commas wasn't quite rushy because they're playing this no, new the soak defence. The soak, isn't it, where they come up slowly, but they all come up as a line. Uh, what did you think? How, effect- how effective did you think it was? It seemed to work. It was some heart in the mouth shit, um, but players seemed to know what they were doing. Um, it seemed to work. I don't know. I was look. I was blind, um, and I was just very excited. <laughs> The only question mark I would have is they're still. Um, I'm still concerned about those post contact meters, especially when you're coming up slower. Um, yeah. I don't know. It does. It does work. It seemed to work. So still positive for them. Yeah. Um, when you were hammered, you may have still been hammered at five o'clock in the morning when the Kiwis, sorry, when the um, South Africans were playing the Argentinians. Um, so I'm expecting um, a thorough piece of analysis on on the Springboks right now. Well, I think just general comments for this one is um, what is it? Like, I don't know what it is when a team, Ireland did it, when you've got 15 good players and, you know, it takes like 10 or 12 games to build that consistency and then all of a sudden you're playing at your peak and then you have your grand final and you just can't maintain it. And Argentina's grand final was the first game against New Zealand. And their building was the Haguares. Um, And they played their peak performance against New Zealand. And they look predictable and exhausted. Um, There's no... 
and international rugby to, to lose 31 points on the spin because at one point it was quite close uh, but, but just to not stop the rot and look we do have to play they South look tired they look yeah, tired and finished we do have to finished. play some of the South Africans a bit of, bit of uh, uh, they, they did quite well but yeah they've um, I don't know where they're at they're obviously in the same group as England in the World Cup but I also echo your thoughts and I think, I think they've, they've reached their limit at my moment. They look like they need an off-season or something. It reminds me of, remember Ireland sort of was about two years ago when they sort of made it to the best in the world? Yeah. Um, and then they just did the same thing next season? Yeah, it just didn't work. Teams have worked them out. Yeah. Worked them out or they just look tired or I don't know. And I get that same sort of feeling from Argentina. They look spent. They look like they need an off-season. Mm. Um. They got a little bit of time off, I guess. There's still some talent there, but I just don't think they are. Come a World Cup year, I just don't think they are near the big sort of four or five. No, but you never know. Things might all fall into place. You never know. I doubt they will. Yeah, they're good enough to do that, but they're mm. probably just outside that group. Now, South Africa, this is one of the better bocky side I've seen in the last 10 years. Yeah, look, they're, they're starting to come together. And look, a few of them uh, in particular, obviously, Henri Pollard scored his uh, 31 points and, and is looking um, the 10 that uh, the South Africa have wanted for a while. Kind of the 10 that he's but, promised to be for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he's he's doing really, really well. Um, but it's not only that. Obviously, the, the standard big boys in their pack, Dwayne from Ulan after coming back, continues to... Uh, uh, to lead the team from the front, and, and obviously the uh, the two second rows, Mustard, Etzebet, you know, continue to, to play well. They're just big boys. And Faf, uh, don't underestimate Faf. No, and it wasn't one of his um, best performances, but um, obviously uh, we're we'll getting a yellow. But the question marks I have, and we we mentioned this before in the last one, I still have question marks over Quagga Smith being that out and out open side. Whether it should be Francois Lowe coming in. The other question is, is Am in that outside, in that 13 channel where the Jesse Creel should be? Um, and again, Willie the Roo, Willie LaRue, again, they're, they're the ones where they could get even better because I'm not sure they're really firing at the moment, but there's so many good players in that spring, in that Bocky team right now that, um, yeah, really excited about their, their progression. Um, I think you've got to be on it, mate. They've pumped Australia, pumped Argentina, and drew with New Zealand in New Zealand. It's a pretty fucking good run. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, and I'm, uh, I, I agree with you. Um, and then for that for that point, it's just that's what again brings us back to that first round of the first game in the World Cup, which will be South Africa won't have many games now between now and that. I think it's the 21st of September. All Black South Africa game in, in Japan. How exciting is that game going to be, mate? I'm I'm half chub just thinking about it. <laughs> Is that, is that technical terminology? Yeah. It is. It's just very, very exciting. <laughs> Mate, it's all just, it's all champagne, isn't it? Honestly, that was great to watch South Africa win, but to just go back to the Wallaby game, the day before it, I was looking at our team and I got a text from a mate who stopped watching Union when it all sort of went pear-shaped and he said, Mate, I don't know this team. Who is Rory Arnold and Reese Hodge? They sound like average American golfers. <laughs> And I looked at our team and I went, fucking hell, it is a team of average American golfers. Just the the best of the rest, the kids that played private school rugby. All right, here we go against the world's best team. And then fucking everything came together and it was brilliant. 
Uh, well, do you know what? So you shouldn't judge a book by their name, as they would say. Exactly. That's not the analogy at all. But those average um, American golfers played sick. Yeah, they did. They did play. It was super sick. But um, talking about the um, uh, the World Cup, we've said it a few times. Um, there is a rumor. There's talk of the town, you know, Blake. There mm-hmm. might be. There might be a, a bit of a. Um, announcement next week in our podcast that there might be some shirts that might be on offer. Did you hear this talk of the town? Mate, I've heard whispers, um, yeah. but whenever Jim's involved, I always defer to oh, my no, solicitor. No, 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 no. Jim's been kicked out of the I always defer to my solicitor when Jim's involved, so, <laughs> oh, so well, I just can't be sure. So, no, if you are listening, um, if – if, you know, Jim can get his shit sorted and my solicitor can talk to his solicitor and we can get some shipments, um, potentially next week we, we might have some exciting news. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, or not. Oh, yeah, might not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. But potentially. Potentially, yeah. What a weekend next weekend could be. An announcement, read potential shirts, and a Wallaby winning the, the Bladders Lake. And the best part is when they don't win, I will come on here and tell you how shit they all are and they've always been shit. <laughs> After this week, tell you how much I love them and would take a bullet for any yeah. of them. Yeah. Would you take a bullet for them, really? Oh, yeah. After Saturday night, absolutely. Gladly. Really? Yeah. Not, okay. not low to though. <laughs> catch the ball, man. Um, think, let's take a minute and think of poor Jim. I think he was on a flight home from Sweden when the game was on and he missed it. So basically we have to send Jim, who doesn't really like flying, every time the Wallabies play, he needs to be circling, <laughs> circling in the air somewhere. Else. Doesn't really like flying. That's, that's a generous way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> He cried the whole way to Sweden, mate. Who hates flying more, you or him? It's pretty close, mate. It's pretty close. It's not pretty when we're on a plane together, let me tell you. Where did this manifest itself from? Did one of you hate flying and then it just transfer to the other one? No, I just think, you know, put me in a metal tube 30,000 feet in the air going 400 kilometres an hour and tell me a seatbelt will cover it. Did you hate it first and then convince him? That's just the point I'm trying to make. Or was it, you know? Look, I don't even remember, but I reckon we're both probably spot on. Do you know where MH370 is? I sure as hell don't. (laughs) You know there's more chance of you dying in a car than there is in an aeroplane. I ride a motorbike. I know. It's it's not about logic. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, Marvel in it. Enjoy it this week. Wear your Wallaby jersey to work. If you're an all-black fan, uh, you know, you're down, but you're certainly not out. We know you'll be back. You'll be the best in the world next week. Um, let us have this week, please. I <laughs> you have to say please. Please. <laughs> Just this one. It's been a long 15 years, you know. <laughs> No, you beat you beat him four years ago. It's okay. Oh, the fifty years since you won the bladders like. Yeah, it's, okay. it's been a long time, man. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good week, and uh, we'll uh, review the game, there, the round two of the bladders late next week. Excited. All right. Thanks for listening. All right. All right catch you.